0: Welcome back to the Self-Care Keto Podcast. I'm your coach, Jess, bringing you a magical experience to help you release the weight from your body and soul. As 2022 is winding down, it's supposed to be the most magical time of the year, but sometimes it can feel anything but magical. Extra expenses, extra events, extra stress, extra grief for the people we've lost, extra food and sugar everywhere, extra emotional eating. I can help. This is what I care so much about helping you have the real self-care of designing a life that you don't need to numb out from. So I decided I wanted to feel and share the magic of generosity and make some of my normally paid resources completely free until the end of 2022. My self-care keto holiday guide, normally priced at $19, is completely free. It'll help you design a holiday that you love because it's your holiday too. You don't have to resign yourself to stress, exhaustion, deprivation, discomfort, and shame this holiday season. Go get your free download at bit.ly slash self-care keto holiday. I also usually offer a different mindset class each month priced at $22, but this month it's completely free and it's a class on how to reduce your emotional eating by meeting the real unmet needs you have where food is just playing a substitute. You can get that class at bit.ly meetingmyownneeds my own needs. The links for both are in the show notes. On the podcast, we're doing an emotional eating series, all about how to reduce our emotional eating by addressing our unmet needs and unset boundaries. I'm sharing some previously recorded Instagram lives on this topic, so you might hear some dated references or notice me engaging with someone in the chat. This content is so transformative and I know you're going to love it. So listen in and I'll see you on the other side. This morning, we're going to be continuing our series that we started last week. Um, It is all about reducing emotional eating through setting boundaries. And um, I'm so glad that you're here with me this morning. And I'm going to be um, talking today um, for the first time, but we're gonna continue this throughout the next several weeks about reasons why we don't set boundaries. Some lies that we believe that are keeping us from setting healthy boundaries in our lives. And, Emotional eating is something that I have struggled with my entire life. If you are a human, I'm sure that you can relate because there is not a person on the planet that never emotionally eats. It is a normal thing. I want to normalize it. Um, It is a very wide spectrum about how damaging or maladaptive this can be for you personally with your goals, with your health, and so on and so forth. But literally, good morning, Kimmy. Thanks for being here. Literally every person emotionally eats from time to time. So this was something that I struggled with my entire life. And when I started eating keto back in 2013, it greatly helped me to um, change my emotional eating because the magic of ketosis really does um, provide a lot more food freedom. It suppresses your appetite, it reduces your cravings. You're no longer riding the blood sugar roller coaster of getting hangry and needing more carbs and needing to eat every two hours and so on and so forth. Um, For the first time in my life, when I started eating keto, I was able to eat a satisfying dinner and then not feel the need to snack after dinner. So, but one thing that keto did not do for me was completely eliminate my emotional eating. Um, I would say that it reduced it a little bit, but not by a a gigantic amount because keto uh, basically helped me to change what I was eating when I would use food to self-soothe. So that was a huge win and I'm not diminishing that in any way, shape or form. And uh, this is something that I help my clients with as well. When we emotionally eat, We are self-soothing. There's a part of us that is trying to take care of us. We're in pain. We're trying to ease that pain um, and or we're trying to numb that pain in some way, shape or form and that's normal. That's okay, that's actually good. That's the part of you that cares about yourself and is trying to take care of yourself in that moment. But the problem is that we end up eating total garbage or we end up eating just way too much And now, an hour later, uh, it felt good in the moment, but now we feel way worse than we even did to begin with because now we're feeling physically crappy and we're feeling emotionally worse because we're feeling guilty and now we're beating ourselves up for that. So it becomes a defeating cycle as opposed to something that actually was successful in helping you to feel better. So the thing that keto really helped me to do is when I did feel the need to self-soothe with food, I started eating foods that actually blessed my body. It was something that I still enjoyed. It had nutritional value. It's not making me feel physically ill after doing it. And I wasn't eating as much just because keto foods are um, so satisfying and it's a lot harder to you know, overeat a, a keto food than it would be to just eat like an entire bag of Pringles or sorry, bin of Pringles. <laughs> but I think you get what I'm saying. So keto did help me so, so, so much to change what I was eating. And then I wasn't feeling as bad after um, having an emotional eating episode and eating something that was good for me and blessing my body, but I still had an awareness of, okay, I wasn't hungry in that moment. I was self-soothing with food. And just kind of having that mental edge of not feeling physically ill afterwards, but still being aware of what happened, it did give me um, kind of the boost and the edge that I needed to say, okay, what's really going on here? Like, I need to do some work on this here um, because i don't want to just continue to do this over and over and over again um i was really stuck in a pattern for a while maybe you guys can relate to this and i think they call it the sunday scaries like when i was in my corporate um nine to five job and you know i was working way too much i was kind of out of alignment in a lot of ways um and every single sunday i would find myself emotionally eating or self-soothing with keto foods Um, and it literally was happening every single Sunday, and I was like, okay, what is going on here? Obviously, (laughs) something needs to change because um, even though it's okay to self-soothe with food, like I said, it's a spectrum of how maladaptive this is to your life and to your goals. This was really inhibiting me in my weight loss journey and my weight loss goals, um, specifically when I was postpartum and I was trying to lose that baby weight. Um, Back in 2013, I lost 50 pounds on a ketogenic diet, and it was just incredible. Had a very healthy pregnancy, you know, nursing postpartum stayed keto the entire time, but once I was done nursing, I wanted to get that additional weight back down to my pre-pregnancy weight. And this was a time in which I was really struggling to do that because I was emotionally eating on keto foods. Um, So it can hamper you, and it's something to just take a look at. So again, keto really helped me to change what I was eating when I wasn't emotionally eating, but what keto won't do for you is change your crap, change your negative mindsets, um, meet your emotional needs, um, set up boundaries in your life for you. Those are things that keto will not do for you. Those are things that you can do for yourself. And what I want you to get out of today is that um, none of that is going to change. Your emotional eating is not going to change just by switching to a ketogenic diet. You also need to do the mindset work of saying, okay, what can I do to prevent all of this emotional eating from happening in the future? How can I help myself to not get back into this same exact emotional state again? What precipitated this? What do I need to do for myself to take care of myself? And this is why when I coach women, we don't just focus on keto strategies. There's all of that. There's the practical, but there's also the personal. There's the root, there's the problem, um, and the strategies to address the problem, but then there's the root of the problem as well, right? So imagine that we are like an onion. We have all these layers, right? And so our outermost layer is our results. And so the layer right beneath that is our behavior. And oftentimes we focus only on that, and a lot of coaches will focus only on that, strategies only. Let's change the behavior to get a different result. And while that's true, and that does work for a limited period of time, there are so many more layers beneath that. And unless we get down into the root, so underneath your behaviors are your thoughts, And underneath your thoughts are your feelings, and underneath your feelings are your beliefs. And a belief is a thought that you have thought so many times that now it has just become true. These are things that you absorb from your childhood, from the worldview that you've been taught, and it is in your unconscious and you're just running on autopilot, thinking the same thoughts over and over and over again, unconsciously, every day. These are your beliefs. And until we get to changing our beliefs, which we're gonna talk about today, one of our beliefs around boundaries, until we get to changing our beliefs it will always just be at this surface level behavior modification that is only temporary can you relate so to for long-term change that is actually effortless and ease and flow rather than white knuckling it and only going a couple weeks and then failing again we need to get to the root of the problem which is our beliefs So I find that with emotional eating, for me personally, and I usually find that with my clients, it usually boils down to one of these two things. We are emotionally eating because there's an emotion that is painful, negative. We're trying to soothe that, we're trying to numb that. And the reason why we feel that negative emotion is usually one of two reasons, either an unmet need or an unset boundary. And so I made a little pact with myself Every time I emotionally eat, I'm going to have a little meeting with myself. I'm gonna sit down, I'm gonna bust out my journal, I'm going to try to reflect. I'm gonna ask myself, what was the emotion that I was actually feeling that I was trying to soothe? I'm going to ask myself, what did I actually need in that moment? What was the unmet need? because obviously food was not the unmet need. I wasn't hungry. I was just using it as a substitute for the real thing. So what did I actually need? And then make a plan for the next time I feel this way, what am I going to do differently? So what am I going to eat instead of eating the garbage that I just ate? So that is an one improvement on, you know, it's, it's an improvement on the reaction. But what could we improve upon proactively? The prevention is to say, was there an unset boundary there? How can I prevent myself? How can I protect myself from getting back into that same situation? So a boundary is a protect, protective mechanism that you can set up in your life. It keeps you safe. And not only does it keep you safe, but it also increases the pleasure in your life. So in last week's episode, I gave this you know, really quick example of like, okay, a boundary is wearing a seatbelt. So you get to drive a car. Hooray. Like you have a car. Like you don't have to walk. And so this has greatly improved your life to be able to have a car, the pleasure in your life, you have more time, you can go places that you've never gone before, you can get there faster. And so this is a great, great thing to increase the pleasure in your life and wearing a seatbelt is part of the terms of driving in a car. It is the law, it is the rules of engagement that have been set up and it protects you and it also increases the joy, the enjoyment of your life. So think about that in terms of setting boundaries. It's a lot of times we don't give enough credit to ourselves enjoying our lives or to keeping ourselves safe. So both are very important. You need both safety and pleasure in your life and a boundary will help you to do that. So remember that a boundary is just, the rules of engagement. It's changing the terms of a relationship or of a situation. And a lot of times these terms are just kind of implicit. They're things that we have been handed down. Maybe, you know, your relationship with your mom, that's just how it's always been. Your relationship with your sister, that's just how it's always been. Um, Things with your boss or your coworkers, you started working at this company and okay, this is the culture here, this is whatever. And we just kind of take it on as implicit and unchangeable but it is not unchangeable. You can make changes in your own boundaries at any time. You can renegotiate the terms of a relationship or a situation at any time to the best of your control. We have a lot more agency and control than we give ourselves credit for. And so that's what a boundary is, is it's changing the terms. It's renegotiating on the terms of this situation. And the reason is to um, create more safety and more pleasure for yourself and you know, it's not selfish. It actually is making things better for both people in the relationship because if you are not setting a boundary, you're being inauthentic and you're becoming resentful. And so is that love? No, that's fear. And so love and fear can't exist at the same time. So if you want genuine love in the relationships in your life and you want general uh, genuine enjoyment in the relationships in your life, then being authentic is required. You have to speak your truth. You have to say what's working for you and what's not working for you. You make requests and you renegotiate when you need to because you deserve better than that. And so does the other person. They deserve your authenticity. So, okay. Let's talk about um, reasons why we don't set boundaries. So, Today, we're just going to talk about one of those reasons, but over the coming weeks, we're going to talk about several more. Maybe you'll relate with this one, maybe you won't, um, because we all have different reasons why we don't set boundaries. But one of the reasons that I want to talk about today is being in denial about the fact that no one is coming to save us. And that is not meant to sound dismal. I actually mean that to sound empowering, because... You are the one that can solve this problem. But a lot of times we're just sitting there being passive, wishing, hoping, praying that the situation will change or that this other person will change. So the solution to that denial is first of all, just to be aware of it. Like, oh, okay. I'm really like hoping that somebody else is just going to come in here and change things. I'm really hoping that somebody like, you know, is just gonna come in here. This is kind of like a fantasy. This is like, okay, I just wanna be like the damsel in distress that gets rescued. Like, okay, I can see where this came from. Mm -hmm. Yep, a lot of the conditioning from my childhood, maybe too many Disney movies, (laughs) you know? um, Or just kind of like the roles that you've been taught about yourself as being a woman, um, whatever that may be. And so just to kind of like gain some awareness of that and to say, okay, like, Nobody's actually gonna come in here and be the fairy godmother and wave a magic wand and change this situation for me. And I find that a lot of times we even do this with um, our spiritual beliefs. So if you believe in God or whatever it is that you might believe in, if you're a praying person, we'll find ourselves praying a lot of times, God, please just change this person's heart. God, please just change this situation. And so, or we're just hoping or wishing like, okay, in a couple of weeks, things will calm down. But babe, things are not going to calm down unless you change you being a person that is always accepting things being so busy for for you or being chaotic for you. So the problem is yes, our outside situations, but also is there anything in me that needs to change? To be honest, what can I do? How can I be empowered to change this? Um, so another belief that i think is really hand in hand with this about the fact that nobody's coming to save us um and just kind of wishing and hoping and praying and so on and so forth is that we also kind of have this belief that is limiting and not true that we somehow need to suffer in our lives it's just a natural part of life or it's a natural part of being in a loving relationship um that Maybe God is using this difficult situation or this suffering to shape us and teach us. And while I do believe that God can do that, and of course will do that because that's loving, um, I think a lot of times we tolerate a lot more suffering than is really necessary and maybe project that onto God, that it's God's will for me to continue suffering in this challenging relationship. In this person treating me in a way um, that is not what I deserve Um, in just taking on way too much for any one person and never having any time to myself and being burnt out all the time whatever that might be and you know I'm just serving I'm doing what God's called me to do so there could be a lot of toxic beliefs wrapped up in this idea that we need to suffer because suffering is what God uses to shape us into who he wants us to be. Have you ever experienced that? I I knew I know that I um, had that belief in my life, and a lot of the clients that I work with, especially if they are um, religious or spiritual people, there's that belief that's deep down there. So I'm just asking you today, like, to um, call that forth. Like, is that true? And and how is that serving you? So God is with you in your suffering, for sure. But you're if you're a parent, you know, would you just sit with your kid? in their suffering and say, oh yeah, this sucks, you know, but it's making you a stronger person. <laughs> or would you try to help them find a solution? Would you try to ask them like, is there anything that you can do differently? Like you as a parent, you probably like are biting your tongue, you know, trying to say like, okay, I can't give them the answer. Like they need to find the answer out on their own. Right, I, I, I view God in this way now, that God is like, okay, you know, like I'm with you and you're suffering, but also, you know, take my hand, here's the way out. Um, So I was working with a client a couple of weeks ago, and we were talking about emotional eating, and I just felt like this visual drop in for me, and I shared it with her. She's a very visual person, and so a lot of times a metaphor or a visual can be a lot more profound in helping us to understand something. So again, we were talking about emotional eating, and emotional eating is you soothing yourself with food. It's the part of you that wants to take care of yourself, and you're trying to take care of yourself in the way that you best know how or in the way that is just the most familiar to you. Think about it. It's totally normal. Food is pleasurable. From the time you were a child, you had access to food, and so you learned, you made this association in your brain, like, okay, I feel better you know, when I have a cookie, I like, I was sad. Maybe my mom offered me a Oh, don't be sad. Here's a lollipop, you know? And so like all these things, um, tend to form this very strong association for us is like, okay, let's celebrate with food. Let's, when we're sad, let's eat food. And so you've learned this, you've made this association and it has been somewhat true and it has served you in some capacity in your life. So let's normalize that. Let's stop beating ourselves up about that. Um, but it doesn't mean that we just need to sit with that forever. However, um, when we are in a um, really painful emotional place, the answer is not to not soothe ourselves. That would be crazy. And so to think that you're just gonna be like, ah, when I feel crappy, I'm just never gonna emotionally eat anymore. I'm just gonna just deal with it. You know, there, that's not gonna work. There has to be something that you do to soothe yourself. And so it's okay that you have used food to soothe yourself before. But the answer is not to not soothe yourself. The answer is to look on the front end and say, okay, what is happening that's continuing to get me into this same exact mental state over and over again? So here's the visual that I had when I was working together with this client. It's like, okay, imagine that every time you come home from work for the day, um, you're walking through the threshold of your house and there is a giant rusty nail just poking up. And every day you forget about it and you step right on that nail and man, it hurts. And you're like, oh, crap, I can't believe I stepped on this nail again, but okay, let me go to you know the medicine cabinet and let me disinfect this thing and let me put on a Band-Aid. And you continue to do this day after day after day. And every single day you're going through disinfectant, you're going through Band-Aids and you're sitting there working on your budget and you're like, my God, I can't afford to go take this trip with my friend, or I can't afford to go buy this new shirt that I want to get, or I can't afford to um, you know, pay my electric bill because I'm spending so much dang money on disinfectant and Band-Aids. What am I gonna do? So <laughs> the solution is, imagine that you thought to yourself, okay, well, I'm just gonna stop disinfecting and putting a Band-Aid on it. Like. Uh, No, that would be crazy. That would be you no longer caring for yourself. It is a very caring, wonderful thing for you to do that when you get hurt from that dang nail, that you disinfect it and that you put a Band-Aid on it. That's what you're doing with the self-soothing of emotional eating. It's you putting a Band-Aid on the situation. It is caring for yourself. You do need some type of soothing in that situation. But is the real answer to just continue to disinfect and put a Band-Aid on that thing every day? or is the real solution to take a hammer and either pull that nail out of the floor or bang it back down right? That is the real solution. And so that is what I'm talking about with the reaction to a negative emotional state is self-soothing with food. What could be the prevention for getting yourself into that negative emotional state over and over again? It's either an unmet need or an unset boundary. And so the reason, the first reason that we're talking about today about why we don't set those boundaries is because we're in denial about the fact that nobody's coming to save us. We're sitting there saying, "Oh man, I just wish that somebody would come over here and pull this nail out of the floor for me." Or, "God, would you just magically, you know, move that nail out of the floor out of the floor for me?" And God is with you in your suffering, and he's saying, "Okay, yeah, definitely. Let's please, you know, let's let's soothe this, you know, wound in your foot right here. But also, here's a hammer. Go ahead and pull that out. Rip that out." And so God is with you in your suffering, but he's also taking you by the hand, showing you the way out through figuring out a way to meet that need or figuring out a way to set that boundary so that you're not continuing to get yourself back in that same exact situation every single day. And remember, a boundary is something that you have complete control over. It's not something, uh, okay, so a boundary is you changing the terms of a situation or of a relationship, so imagine that your boss is constantly piling way too much work on you, and you're not saying anything about it. A boundary would be to have a conversation with your boss and say, you know, hey, boss, um, I've got two deadlines coming up for this Friday. Um, if I'm not able to make both, which one would you like me to prioritize over the other? And your boss would just be like, oh, okay, that's a great, that's a great question. Um, you know, definitely, I didn't realize that you had too much on your plate. Please prioritize this one. And then you're like, okay, great. Let's, can we figure out a new deadline for the other one? So that would be you setting a boundary or having a conversation. Um, And a lot of times we think it's going to be way worse than what it really is. Now, it might be that your boss actually says, um, you know, what the hell's wrong with you? (laughs) Why can't you meet both of these deadlines? You know, what's going on? But chances are, that's probably not how it's going to go unless your boss is, you know. The mean lady from the devil wears Prada. I don't know. But usually that's not the case. And so at least you have the self efficacy to take care of yourself and to stand up for yourself in that situation to make a request about the space in between you two. Remember, there's the other person, there's you, there's the space in between you two, which is the pillow. This is where we negotiate terms, this is where we make requests. So you've made a request of the other person. And if they do say no, well, then you know, okay, maybe I need to create some distance in this relationship. Maybe the relationship does need to end. If it's a you know, um, a boss, uh, boss employee situation, maybe you do need to look for another job. If you've continued to try to set boundaries for yourself that are reasonable, that are self-caring, and they're not being respected, then that could be a potential solution over time. So the, the point is, is that you're the one in the driver's seat of your life. You're not in the passenger seat of your life. Hop out of there. Last week we were talking about, um, you know, one of my favorite movies, The Holiday, and where um, Kate Winslet is the the protagonist in, in this story. She's the main character. And, you know, she meets this lovely old man who used to be in the film industry, Arthur, and she's having dinner with him one night and kind of telling about her situation where she's in love with this guy, it's unrequited, and he doesn't give a crap about her. In fact, he's gonna go marry somebody else, but he's trying to keep her as a side piece. And she just can't say no to him. And so Arthur says to her, you know, you're the leading lady of your life, but you're acting like the best friend. Babe, are you the leading lady of your life? Or are you just the best friend that exists for somebody else's benefit? You're just the showpiece. You're just, you know, the arm candy. You're just the passenger. Like, which is it? The number one regret of the dying is that they get to the end of their lives and they say, I wish I lived a life true to myself rather than the one that somebody else expected of me. We're living our whole lives, not setting boundaries, not caring about our own needs, having this fantasy, being in denial about that maybe somebody else is gonna come in to save us, just hoping, wishing that something's going to change. You're the one that can make the change. You're the leading lady of your life. You're the driver in this situation. You're the hero of your own story. So let's flip that. And the first thing, what's the solution to denial? Acceptance. Radical acceptance. Radical acceptance does not mean that you're not going to change anything. It's just that you will never change anything until you radically accept that this is reality. Okay, this is how this person is. This is how my mom is. I'm not going to change her. And I can't change her. It's actually not loving to change her. I can change the terms. So radical acceptance is the opposite of denial instead of saying, oh, I just wish my mom would change. I wish my mom would you know be less needy i wish my mom would be nicer to me you know i wish my boss would change i wish he would be less demanding i wish things would just calm down at work okay radical acceptance is this is how things are okay now what am i going to do about it what requests am i going to make what boundaries can i set up what ways can i help take care of myself in this situation do i want to get out of this situation okay But you're never going to do that as long as you're stuck in that fantasy and in that denial that maybe somebody else is going to come save you, hoping, wishing, praying. I hope you loved this episode. Remember to grab the free holiday guide and the free emotional eating class from the links in the show notes. If you're feeling generous too and would like to give to me too, you can give me a review of this podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also give me a review on my Facebook page at facebook.com slash the It only takes a moment of your time and you have no idea how much it means to me. I'm a words of affirmation, love language person, and I absolutely treasure the words that you leave me. I do. I read them when I'm feeling low and it is pure rocket fuel for me. The reviews also help me to grow and to help more women. Seriously, I have had clients tell me that they just knew that they had to work with me after reading reviews. So it's really an amazing gift to me. You can also give me a referral by telling others about my podcast and about my coaching. And if you want to give more, you can even send me a tip of any amount at paypal.me theketofit. I also hope that you'll give yourself the gift of investing in yourself and your health journey by working with me as your coach. You can learn more about my coaching services at theketofit.com. I work with clients one-on-one and I help you transform your life in eight weeks. And I also have a self-coaching online course called the Self-Care Keto Mindset Masterclass. All the info, including my prices are up on my website and you can sign up for a completely free curiosity call. I would love to get to know you better and tell you more about how I could help you. If you're not yet following me on social media, make sure that you do. I'm on facebook.com slash the keto fit, instagram.com slash the keto fit, linkedin.com slash IN slash the keto fit. You can get encouragement and tips from me every single day. I also love engaging with you in my direct messages. And if you have a question, advice is always free. I'm cheering for you. I hope you have a fantastic week and I'll see you next week here on the pod.